Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. We're live, pal. Yes, we are. Those are the victory horns, and they sound for the three fighters who have championship belts in this big graphic. It's weird. Liz Carmouche, Chris Cyborg, Usainer Magomedov, and also, it doesn't sound for Grant Dawson. Those victory horns, when they were sounding, they sound for Bobby Green, Shaheen Alshadi. They sound for Bobby freaking Green who just melts, absolutely lamps Grant Dawson in the main event of UFC Vegas 80. I almost woke my whole family up when that happened because that was just freaking <laughs> incredible. But welcome to the show, everybody. We're recapping UFC Vegas 80. We're recapping Bellator 300, which just wrapped up. It wrapped up with Usain Nurmagomedov barely breaking a sweat against Brent Primus. Absolutely dominant performance. Chris Cyborg just absolutely runs over Kat Singano for a quick finish. And then Liz Carmouche and Alimale McFarlane, they did a thing. They got in a cage and threw punches and kicks at each other and unfortunately ended in a super sad way because Alimale McFarlane, badly injured knee, ended pretty bad. But Liz Carmouche could have ended that fight at any point. So I guess, Shaheen, the real question is, we talked about this heading in. What's the more intriguing event? If you could only watch one, what would you pick? Seemed like Bellator 300. Usainer Magomedov was the must-see pick of the weekend. Now that it's all played out, Shaheen, do you feel like you were correct? That you picked the right card, the right fight, the right moment? Who won the weekend, Shaheen? Was it Bellator in their historic event? Or was the UFC in the world's most famous apex? My internet connection is all kinds of breaking up right now. So I didn't hear the end of your question, but I'm going to just go with it. Uh, I mean, look. Let's be all honest here with each other, right? Like we all picked Bellator. We all thought Bellator was the better main card. On paper, it was. What oh in the world? God, what is going on? Woo. What is going on? Right Keep now? bear oh, with man. us, guys. Casey's on site and Jose's doing all of the producing. <laughs> you're doing great. You're doing a great job. I promise. <laughs> you're, you're crushing it, Jose. You're, you're crushing it. Uh, I don't even remember. Bellator. Bellator. I mean, on paper, Bellator was the better main card, right? It's objectively like the more meaningful card, certainly. Uh, our, our good friend Casey uh, on site put it put it excellently. Where you know we just watched a potentially top five, top three lightweight in the world make easy work of a pretty a fairly decent opponent. And we also watched one of the greatest women fighters of all time just melt someone, just straight up murder someone almost in the cage there with with absolute ease. So like that's the more meaningful card, surely. But 
come on. I mean, the most, the more entertaining of the two was obviously the UFC. I mean, Bobby Green, man, Bobby Green, like no one saw this coming. We were talking about this on the show and not really any of us gave him much of a chance to pull off what he just did. It's, it's just incredible to me what he's sort of been able to do in this final career chapter of his this is whatever this late run of his is right like he is 37 years old in a lightweight division that is historically incredibly unkind to men his age and he's put together one of the best sort of ufc stretches that he's maybe ever had like you you look at everything that was stacked against him right comes into this dude he already had 29 professional fights when grant dawson made his mma debut like like bobby green was already a grizzled veteran in the ufc when Grant Dawson started cage fighting, he out here four to one underdog, thirty-seven years old against the twenty-nine year old. No one gave him much of a shot in the last thirty-three seconds. Like that's that's like if not the best win of his career, it's easily one of the best wins of his career, and it probably is actually the best win of Bobby Green's entire UFC career. And for him to be able to pull that off at age thirty-seven, doing it the way they did, where really again no one saw it coming. Grant Dawson coming in had nine fights in the UFC, had not tasted defeat in the UFC, and he tasted it that way for the first time. All the power to the OG, man. Like that, It is rare we see this. You you look at like a, almost like a mini Masvidal type of run that Green's on, right? Like it's definitely not what Jorge Masvidal did late in his career. But it is sort of like this weird, uh, I don't even know if culmination is the right word, but he is more popular now than he ever has, and he, he's finding more success of a fan base than he ever has before. So all the credit to him, man. That man's lasted. He's done it, and uh, he did it tonight. It was incredible to watch. I'm glad you mentioned the Mazadal thing because I know Daniel Cormier talked about it at the end of the broadcast, and Jed and I have been talking about this for a while. Like We do the Q&A episodes of BTL. A lot of times we get like, who's the next sort of Mazadal guy that could just sort of be a veteran. We all, we all want like kind of good things for this person. And maybe they can just have a big moment where it's like playing a round of golf. You can just stink on the golf course, but there's something someone told me a long time ago. I think it was my dad and said, you can change a shitty round of golf into a really good round in three shots. Bobby green can become a star in three fights. Like it's always, I feel like it's been there for like three years since the pandemic started We're waiting for Bobby green to just go on this like three fight run and just get to that next level. And I think the UFC is like really ready for it. And then he goes out and just knocks out a guy who hasn't lost in forever. It just is a huge underdog and gets it done. So Shane, I know you tweeted out because Hanato Moicano in his infinite wisdom just jumped went on bananas it. on social media. <laughs> just went bananas on social media. If you are the matchmakers, is this the fight you're making? Are you doing Bobby Green versus Hanata Moicano, or are you doing something different? I mean, I like it. I uh, Moicano has sold me on it. Bobby Green's probably going to be ranked above Moicano once once this comes out on Monday when it comes to the UFC rankings, at least, which we all know those are not the most important rankings. But for their purposes, that's certainly important. Grant Dawson was number ten. I would be surprised Bobby Green jumps in at number 10. Moicano's at number 13 right now. That being said, I like that fight. Uh, you know, Moicano's on a nice little run. He has a little bit of momentum, too, with the way he's been able to promote himself, uh, doing all sort of the outside of the cage things, but also the in-cage promos. I don't know. I didn't think about that fight until Moicano proposed it, but I like it. What about you, Mike Heck? You, you are the matchmaker extraordinaire. We really want to hear from you in this. I'm not going to give my answer, but I can assure you, I think when I say this, you'll probably figure out who it is. Uh, it's not going to be Hinata Moicano. It will not be him. It will be somebody ranked higher than Hinata Moicano because I really think the UFC oh. is going to try to push this man. I think they're going to push him. 
I think they're going to try to make a big move here and see if Bobby Green come through again against a really good grappler. And I think there's really only one name that kind of stands out that could possibly be available for this fight before the year is over. And it starts at the M and it ends with the Touche Gamrot as long as he's not the actual backup for the title fight and is not tagged in in October in Abu Dhabi. Dude, Bobby Green versus Matouche Gamrod at UFC 296. On top of that, featured prelim ESPN. Let's go. Let's do that. I'm totally down for that. Yes, either the shot clock just went off or Jose completely <laughs> agrees with me. I, I can't tell if that's Jose agreeing or just No, that's that's Jose agreeing. Our internet decided to cut off the first three seconds of a four-second air horn, so you got the tail end of an air horn. <laughs> We persevere. Yes. What did it, that was incredible. It sounded so much better, which just like the one horn. It was awesome. Well done. Absolutely well done. Yeah, but great performance for Bobby Green. Where Grant Dawson goes from here, I don't really know. It's tough to lose these fights in these spots, especially in this division. It's almost, I'm not saying it's impossible to come back from, but it's really, really tough, especially with some of these other guys coming up. So massive win for Bobby Green. Tough night for Grant Dawson in his first UFC main event. Good night to be Joe Pfeiffer, Shaheen Alshadi. He looked real good. Pretty fun main card. Alexander Hernandez, Bill Algio kicked off the main card with a banger. Super fun fight. And at that point, we really needed like a super fun fight to happen. And it kicked off in a big way. Joaquin Buckley looking damn good. There's a lot to like about this UFC main card. So who is outside of obviously Bobby Green? Who is your big standout performance? Like if, you had to tell somebody who called you right now, like, tell me what I have to watch on this UFC Vegas 80 card outside of Bobby Green. What are you telling them? Oh, my Lord. I don't know why this internet is so rough right now. This is just great. Um, I mean, man, I've been on the Joe Pfeiffer train for since this man debuted in the UFC, since he was in the Contender Series the second time. I am really starting to become a believer in this man. He fights with a ruthlessness, with a savagery, with a ferocity that is fairly uncommon, right? Like you go in, you watch him go in there. He is trying to end people with every single thing that he does. And there's just an anger behind it. And obviously, if you know his story, like you can understand where a lot of that anger comes from. But man, I don't know. Like I, I, I'm not, I don't know that I'm all the way there yet with him all the way, all the way. I'm getting damn close. Are you a full believer right now in the Joe Pfeiffer train, Mike Heck? I'm probably in the same place you are right now, where I was like, okay, like I like what I'm seeing. There's potential. I think I've leaped beyond the potential part of the conversation where I'm like, all right, this guy might really be something. And like when you listen on to the next one tomorrow, I'm giving this dude, I'm giving him a step up like a really strong one, uh, as you will see. I'm not going to give him like a top five dude, but I'm going to give him somebody like I need to know. And even if he loses, like I don't think it's going to hurt him too much because you could just be an exciting finisher and you could do very, very well in that position. But I kind of want to see if he's for real, Shaheen. I kind of want to see if he is the real deal. So I'm ready to see him take a little bit of a leap up in competition and Abdul Razak Al-Azam was, was a dangerous fight, but I think we all kind of expected how that was going to play out. As long as Joe Pfeiffer could get out of five minutes and 30 seconds, 
he was going to win this fight. Just look at the numbers and look at the science behind Abdul Razak Al-Azan fights. You get past five minutes and 30 seconds, you're probably going to win. That submission was nasty. I, I can't believe it wasn't stopped with the actual tap. Uh, Joe Piper's a bad, bad man, Shaheen. Uh, it's past potential. Uh, it's to the point where I'm like, okay, I kind of need to see how good he is. And I kind of want to see it right now. That's where I'm at. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I mean, we've seen it historically, right? Like middleweight is a division where you can make strides very, very quickly if you're fighting like this. Like we've we've seen it time and time again, the guys who sort of get that pump, get that rise real quick because they're just going out there and ending fools. And that's sort of where we're at. I'm with you. Like we, Joe Pfeiffer has made it very clear, like I'm not going to fight anybody unless you give me a little bit of a raise, which I understand, and that's the right way to approach this. He said it himself. Like he has that four-fight deal. Three of them are up. That's usually when the UFC renegotiates. I would fully anticipate just having been in this space and seeing how this stuff works, that he is going to get that renegotiation that he's asking for. And part and parcel with that will be a fight that matters, a fight against the top 15 guy, maybe like a periphery guy, 15, 14, 13, right in that middleweight division. And I'm here for it, man. I'm ready to see how high this guy, guy can go. Because again, we've seen it with Alex Pereira. We've seen it with Drickus Duplisi. We've seen it with a lot of the new, the new middleweights coming up. There is room for advancement at 185, and this division makes absolutely no sense right now with Sean Strickland at the top, and who knows who's going to fight Sean Strickland, who knows where any of these dudes really sit at this point. It is a brand-new division completely reset with that most recent result we've gotten, so I'm, I'm here for it, man. I'm, I'm excited with the future of Joe Pfeiffer and who he could be because he continues to just show out every chance he gets. I remember, I don't know if it was like 2021 or 2022, Dana White was asked at the beginning of the year, like what his favorite division in the sport was, like the one he was looking forward to seeing how it was going to play out over the next couple of years. And he said middleweight and people just killed him for it. And it turns out he was right. Like we got, we still on top of everything that has happened with like Pereira and Izzy and freaking Sean Strickland is the middleweight champion. And now we got Hamza Shemaev and Paulo Costa. We got Joe Pfeiffer. We got freaking Bo Nickel on the come up. I mean, Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> so many. Middleweight is incredibly fun right now. It's incredibly fun. Paul Craig's a freaking middleweight right now who's just absolute bananas. Getting ready to fight Brennan Allen who's on a nice streak. Like Middleweight is super duper fun right now. So Joe Pfeiffer, a nice little addition. Very intrigued to see where he goes from here. We'll talk probably more about the UFC when we get some fan questions. But Shaheen... Let's talk about Bellator 300. We slogged through the prelims. Kind of a tough hang. Leah McCourt, nice finish. And apparently she is going to get herself a title fight with Chris Cyborg for her finish of Sarah McMahon. We start with Ostensibly, Liz Carmouche. Assuming Ostensibly. Bellator exists. Well, see, they're smart. They're all saying, let's do it in Japan because it doesn't have to be a Bellator card. It could just be a rising card with a Bellator title on the line. It's all it's all real. It's there however they want to do it. Yeah. We got Carmouche versus Lima Lay McFarlane. I think we had an idea of how that fight was going to be. It was probably a lot worse than it was. I mean, the referee had to give two warnings about uh, timidity between the second round and going into the third round. Never a good thing. And then in round four, he's yelling at them, like, do more stuff, please. Not a good sign. And then, obviously, Chris Cyborg and Kat Zingano, and then Usman Amagamadoff versus Brent Primus and Shaheen, I got to tell you, one thing that is just annoying me about social media these days. Do it, Mike like Heck. People, people just think that Bellator sucks and that it doesn't exist and that nothing matters. 
the amount of conversations I was having about people just discrediting Usman Nurmagomedov as a prospect is incredible. Like, how could you? Well, he's not Hamzat Shemaev. He's not Shafkat Rakhmanov. No shit. He's Usman Nurmagomedov. He can only fight who he's supposed to fight. And he's just melting fools. He's not even breaking his sweat. He hasn't even been, like, touched. He hasn't been in trouble at all in any of these fights. He can't control who he fights. He just destroys all of them. He killed Benson Henderson, who was on, like, a nice little run before that fight. Brent Premis is a he's tough submitted. dude. He submitted Benson Henderson. No one submits Benson Henderson, man. That's not a thing that happens in the world. This guy is one of the seven or eight best prospects in the sport. At worst. At worst. And if you want to throw, you know, I understand the Hamzat. And there's a lot of guys under 30 who, like, you don't even think are under 30 because they've been fighting for so long that are still under 30. Like Sean O'Malley and Brandon Moreno and Hamzat and you know, Shafkat, like there's some killers under 30. But to say Usain Nurmagomedov is not in this conversation at all is like, hmm, maybe he is like, he he might actually be the best guy. We don't know for sure. But to just leave him out of the conversation because he's in Bellator is ridiculous to me, dude. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's absurd. It's absurd, especially when you like look at the track record of of guys coming over from Bellator to the UFC, right? Like we've seen a lot of success stories of people come from Bellator to the UFC. People come from other promotions to the UFC. And I remember, I'm old enough to remember when people were doing this about Strikeforce and saying Strikeforce was some inferior brand with inferior fighters. And then all of the Strikeforce fighters came to the UFC and a lot of them won titles, especially a lot of the main ones. WEC, same thing. A lot of the WEC guys come over to the UFC. They're overrated. No one cares, whatever. And then they end up winning titles and putting on all these highlights. Like we have seen this happen time and time again. People don't learn their lesson in this sport. That's just sort of the reality of it. I'm not going to be shocked if Bellator ends and then a lot of the Bellator fighters come over and are very competitive, whether it's a Johnny Eblen or an Usman Nurmagomedov or an AJ McKee or whoever you want to throw out there. Because I agree with you, Mike. I mean, Usman to me looked like he was bored tonight. Looked to me like after two rounds, he, he, he very much was aware that like Brent Primus kind of couldn't do anything to him. So he was just messing around a little bit, almost in the way that like Habib did with Ally Quinta that one time where it was just like, eh, I'm just going to kind of do some stuff here and try some stuff out and, and ride this out. Um, I don't know. I mean, now I, the first two rounds were, were very impressive to me. And then again, he kind of put it on cruise control. But I, I feel like that guy might be a top five lightweight, might be a top three lightweight, depending on who, what kind of matchups he can get. And he is still so damn young. Like that is the thing. We still do. We have not even begun to scratch the surface of this man's potential. And he's already like an undefeated champion of the second best organization in the world. Like that's not that's not bad. Like anybody who's who's crapping on Usman Nurmagomedov, like, like that's I don't actually know what you're doing. I really, I know Bellator 301 is happening, and I really hope no matter what happens, we do get to see this finale. If Alexander Shabley wins and beats Patricky Pitbull, which I, like, look, I'm not supposed to root for anybody, but for my intrigue levels, I kind of need Shabley to win because I need to see. If Usman does that to Alexander Shabley, like, enough is enough. You can't deny this man anymore because Shabley is ridiculously good. He might... He could be a top 15 lightweight in the UFC, Shabley. Like, he's that good. Like, he is a solid, solid hand. And if Usman just goes out there and just runs him over for either 25 minutes or finishes this man without a struggle, like, how could you deny this man anymore? How can you deny this man in a conversation? That's better than most wins of any of the other guys you mentioned right there. 
So I need to see it. And look, if if Patricky Pitbull wins, I kind of hope Usman just says, you know what? Keep your million. I'm going to the UFC. I'll go fight Armin Sarukin. I'll go fight Matush Gamrat. I'll go fight anybody at 155. Justin Gaethje, baby. I'm telling you. Oh, Usman, God. Justin Gaethje is the fight I'm going to manifest because I want to see it so badly. <laughs> and then Conor McGregor like just refuses to fight Michael Chandler. So poor Michael Chandler will have to fight Usman or Magomedov in his next fight. Oh, my <laughs> oh, God. Someone brought that up on Twitter. I was like, wow, that's just the worst. So, yeah, so that's Bellator 300. I mean, let's go to the peeps. I want to give the peeps some time here. Bellator 300, it was what it was. And here's Jose. Hi, Jose. Doing Hello. a great job. Doing a great we, job. We do our best. Yes. Uh, let's take some questions from the peeps. I've tried. There's been a lot of, to speak to the, con the, the comment section, you guys are asking the same question, just worded differently. So I'm trying to pull, like, <laughs> anything out of it because it's surprisingly all about how Bobby Green's great. And like you said, a lot of people just not impressed with Usman, like Super Dave Fairtex right here. Kind of a fail for Usman. So, I mean, like, I get it. Hold like, on. Like, it I mean, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I get it. It was a boring fight. Like the last 15 minutes, pretty boring. There no tension at all. You kind of knew exactly where this was going to go. There was no threat level. There was no danger in it at all in any way. Like, I get it. It was a very boring fight. But also one guy just completely dominated. What was the striking total? Like 150 to 23 or something like that? Like, yeah, yeah you know, like he was bored. I don't know. It seemed like he was really bored out there. The win did nothing for Usman. Thanks for showing up to be a 40-year-old in a decision. I mean, I, I, I don't know, man. I don't know what else you want from the guy. I mean, I get it. I get it. But also... It was this a long night. This is not the guy. Yeah. Right. I agree. Yeah. It was it was a long night of fights. The UFC was kind of a tough hang for a lot of, a lot of it. And then we get through that. Bob we get this great moment with Bobby Green. We're like, now we get to go to Bellator three hundred with these three title fights. And the three title fights just weren't compelling at all. So I get it. I get why there's a sour taste in the mouth. Uh Bobby with full fight camp is a beast. He's taking too many short notice fights. Boat time. He got a chance to shine like that. Yes, Hank Hill. Good performance. It's a very him. angry Hank Hill in angry. the picture, too. Super angry. Super angry. What else we got? Uh, it was not at all boring. Usman put yeah. on a clinic. It was beautiful to watch. The first three rounds were incredibly fun to watch because anything Brent Primus did, Usman kicked him in the liver every single time. No matter what Brent did. Brent tried to go for a takedown, he got kicked in the gut. If he tried to go for a punch, he got kicked in the body. He tried a leg kick. He got kicked in the liver again. Like Usman was just so good. He knew everything Brent was going to yeah. do before Brent did it. It was insane. The distance wanna... management. The yeah. distance management was just obscene from from pillar to post. Like Brent, you saw at the end if you heard Brent say to his corner, like he was just so elusive in there. Like I couldn't figure out what to do. He looked like a demoralized man after ten minutes, and I get it. Yeah, not not only was he elusive, but like when they would show the slow motion replays between rounds. That's when I really started to appreciate what Usman was doing in there. Like he would throw, he threw that like question mark kick, and then followed it up with a lead right, and then Brent Primus like came in and threw a spinning back fist, and Usman ducked it, and then came in with a body shot. It's like Mike said, he saw everything coming from a mile away and just had a counter for everything. It was pretty unbelievable to watch. But in real time, I get it. If you watch the replay in slow motion, I think you would have a lot more appreciation. Anyway. 
The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Um, this is what this is an interesting thing that I don't think you guys have touched on. Uh, are you tapping Al Hazan? Yeah, jeez, Louise. That was a weird Tough thing, right? Hit. It was very weird because it looked it clearly looked to me like the punch thing to the shoulder was that was enough to signify a tap to me. And then he's like, he's he's convulsing on the ground. And he's like, oh, Abdul, are you tapping? What do you think? It, it was it was tough, man. It was tough to watch. I I was actually like a little nervous for him. I'm like, yeah. come on, please. Once, stop he, once the convulsing started, it was like, all right, what are we about to watch here? Not even the I'm commentators really knew what was happening because one of them yelled, "He's tapping." The other one said, "He's fighting back." So I just, I, I have no <laughs> idea. Like the whole situation, the camera angle is weird too. It was just, it was just an odd, odd situation all around. Well, uh, I'll tell you what though, if, if Joe Pfeiffer had gotten that submission in the like the first minute, like he almost did, oh yeah, I would have lost my mind, man. That was that, that dude is impressive, man. I know you can only fight the people you get thrown against, but he is just manhandling people in yeah. a way that like you really do not see grown men, grown like professional fighters get manhandled in the way that he's doing it. He's he's a physical freak. Uh, sticking with the referee questions. Should Chris Tyone be reprimanded for doing nothing about Glenn's blatant glove grabs? It yeah, was pretty it bad. Was, it was pretty bad. But what do we what have we been saying, Shaheen, on these post fight shows for like three years now? The lesson. There's a golden rule, as always. Cheat. <laughs> you get you get three, you get three free ones. Use them up. <laughs> with, with Chris, you might get five, depending on the night. It's it's nuts, man. He might uh, just sometimes he'll just take a point on the first one, and then sometimes he just won't at all for an entire night. 
he is maybe one of the most inconsistent referees I've ever seen. Uh, sticking with Mike, I know you're doing on to the next one, and I haven't watched Bobby Green's uh, press conference yet or any of the post-show stuff. But so I don't know if this is true, but apparently Bobby Green brought up Dan Hooker's name. Uh, sure, I don't hate that. I, that's the first name that popped in my head. It was Moicano, Bobby Green, and Dan Hooker kind of have like this triangle where any of those matchups make sense. And then the other one, like if they want to give him Gamrod or whoever, then I'm all for it. Yeah, my 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 pick for Gamrod after the Fazib win was Dan Hooker. That was my pick. And now with everything else going on and Bobby Green beating Grant Dawson, because I didn't think Bobby Green was going to beat Grant Dawson, so I didn't yeah. even like have Bobby Green in my mind. But now that he's done it, I think Bobby Green gets Gamrod. Dude, Dan Hooker, Hinata Waikano as as the other as the consolation prize. It's a pretty damn good consolation prize right there. That fight has made sense since they both fought on the last MSG card. They both had yeah. big wins. I think Moicano didn't want to go fight in Australia because one of his coaches couldn't get into Australia. So I just don't think they even looked into that. But I thought that fight made sense for a while. Um, just tonight, to is just, tonight is just so emblematic of, of why yeah. the sport is so so zany and just mm-hmm. ridiculous and no one knows anything, right? Like, you have Grant Dawson in here, undefeated nine UFC fights, coming off a win over, like, Demir Ismagulov, who I think I know have incredible respect for. I, on the pre-fight show, I was like, this is a step down for him. Yeah, for sure. actual, like, difficulty of opposition. And then on the other side, you have, like, 37-year-old Bobby Green, who, again, has been doing this for 15 years and, like, was mildly struggling with Jared Gordon just, like, a, a year ago, earlier this year. I don't even remember when that fight was at this point. And he just starches the kid in, like, 33 seconds. Like, nobody ever knows anything. None of us can ever – it's just if – if you can find success consistently winning money in this sport, good for you, man. It is a damn Bobby difficult Green and, sport to Bobby, Yeah, Bobby Green and Hugh Pulley just – finishing grant dawson 30 seconds it's craziness grant just mauls everybody else but bobby green and hugh pulley or a trivia question linked forever those two gentlemen uh hooker just called up bobby green on twitter like 20 minutes ago he yeah, said let's boogie bobby green moicano can suck it that's his exact phrasing <laughs> that's uh, that's tremendous yeah that's tremendous i can't find the question again but there's a lot of people or two or three people just talking about uh chris's defensive wrestling so if you guys have any thoughts about that fight just how it played out i mean she basically just mushed cat like yeah. anytime cat shot in she just kind of like nah it's not happening just pushed <laughs> just mushed her in the face like a big sister would do to a little sister i i said in our, our slack like they could have fought that fight a hundred times cat zingano would not have won a single round that was that was tough to watch very quickly when you realized what this was about to be. Yeah, I kind of thought like Kat would do different things because it was pretty obvious what she was going to try to do here. And it was pretty obvious what Chris was preparing for. The only, like the only, and she didn't have like really any success, but the only success Kat Zingano had in that fight was when she just went cray cray and just throwing banana punches, just, just winging them. And she was connecting, like Cyborg was just eating them for lunch, but that, that was like her best chance to win. I, I think we knew after the first takedown defense, te- defense from Cyborg, I thought Cyborg, I thought uh, Zingano like tore her knee up immediately. Mm-hmm. The way she crumbled to the ground and, and Cyborg's just hitting her, I'm like, oh God, like two fights in a row with like bad knee injuries. That was my initial thought. And then somehow... Zingano ate a can of spinach like Popeye and popped back up to her feet and then just got wrecked again for another three and a half minutes. 
It was I mean, I think Chris is obviously just incredibly strong, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, that's yeah. what that is. It so. did look like, Kat did look like, I think, Sean, you said it on the preview show. She just looked like a blown up bantamweight. Like, she's not a featherweight. She's just a bantamweight that didn't cut weight. You could, there was a very clear size advantage in there. Jose, um, I want to get your take on something because um, you tweeted something out about Chris Cyborg because immediately after the win, Liam McCourt comes in and yep. they have a face off. And I know in our Slack channel, we're like, oh, I guess she's going to fight Leah McCourt. And then other people were like, well, if she fights Leah McCourt before she fights Kayla Harrison or Larissa Pacheco or somebody else, like, it's just ridiculous. And then you tweeted out something to the effect of, it's kind of refreshing to just go to the next person in line, essentially, and just yeah. go ahead and fight them, right? Yeah. So, and to me, I kind of agree with you on this one, Jose, because like as cool as it would be to see like Kayla and especially the Pacheco fight, I think would be really interesting for Chris Cyborg. Like who gives a crap because she's going to make a, a whole bunch of money to fight either of these women, whether it's Leah McCourt or Kayla or Larissa Pacheco. And she don't make a dime more fight in either of those two. So just to me, it's just like, yeah, go fight the next person up. We only get you for... A, sh a pretty short time before she calls it a career. Just give these women a chance, you know? Like, if Leah's ready, just go ahead and do that fight and make your money and do what you want to do. Like, this is prize fighting, and that's what Chris is doing right now. Like, it makes no difference who she fights at this point. Unless she fought, like, Nunes again yeah. in the UFC and got pay-per-view points. Like, she's not making an extra dime fighting anybody else. Yeah. I think... And I've been saying this for a while. Like, there's a lot of faults that I see in Bellator in promotion and everything. Like the, like I was telling Mike before we went on air, the I don't need to see a whole countdown episode between fights leading up to the fight. If I'm watching Bellator on a Saturday night, you don't need to sell me on the fight. You don't need to give me like a five minute video package on Chris Cyborg and Kat Zingano. Like, I get it. Uh, I'm here to watch it. But I do like how Bellator champions just kind of say. Like, I remember when Gegard won the title, like, everyone's like, oh, rematch Machida, dude, like, go up to light heavyweight, this and that. And he was like, oh, well, Lovato kind of earned it, so I'll probably fight him. Like, and it's that's just kind of been the Bellator thing for a while. Like, Kat Zingano could have been like, Kayla Harrison, Pacheco, like, I'm going to eat you. And she's like, you know, Leah McCourt earned it. Like, I'll fight her. Liz Carmouche was like, uh, Kana Watanabe, like, she's earned it. I want to fight her. Let's do it in Japan. Like... I get, like, I want to see the big money fights. I want to see Cyborg versus Kale Harrison, but I do like meritocracy, and I do think it is kind of refreshing sometimes when you have champions just be like, next man up, let's go. Like, I think that's why Max Holloway got really popular because, like, he could have gone up to fight 155, like, two fights into his featherweight reign, but he's just like, Volkanovski, you're on a tear. You just beat Jose Aldo. I'll fight you. Lost. Got the rematch again. And I just, to me... I do like champions like that. They're just like next man up, let's go. But I, I see both sides. But it it was refreshing to hear multiple champions say, like this person earned it. I'll fight them. Yeah, I mean we say we say it all the time. Like the hardest thing to do in the sport is not to become a two division champion. It's not to do all these multi weight division things. It's to defend that title over and over and over and over again until you're pushing that number into the stratosphere. Until you yep. have Anderson Silva level title defenses, DJ level title defenses. Like that is. Yeah, a single most I, difficult thing to do in I, MMA. I, that being yep. said, I do agree that you know I kind of have no interest in seeing Chris or just smash random people. Like I actually want to see her be in a competitive fight, and I think there's maybe one competitive fight for her in the entire sport, if not two. 
and I would like to see one of those two, but I don't think we're going to get it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, question from friend of the site. This is just a question in general. I'd like to hear your thoughts. Wow. <laughs> Jeez, man. Is Bellator 300 the most lifeless major show in MMA history? That's a bold statement. That's it's tough. bold, but I mean, I think it's kind of a fair question, though. Is it not? I mean, it's been it's, asked. I mean, the fact that it's being asked is telling. Do you guys remember yeah. what Bellator 200 was? Do you remember what Bellator... Sean, I know you remember what Bellator 100 was because me and you were at that fight. I do remember. And it was... it was They made no effort to nope. celebrate that. Whatsoever. Jordan Rebney had no interest in being like... And say, he was just like, another day at the office. I'm like, oh, make it semi-special. What was Bellator 200? It was... Wasn't it like a rando kind of a card or was it... The legendary Raphael Carvalho. Ah, yes. defending his title. Although, to be fair, he was defending against Gegard. Yeah, Gegard. So that and that was like Pete Gegard. Yeah. yeah, that was kind of the big uh, coronation for Gegard. Wasn't that in London, too? It wasn't even in like San Jose, San Diego area. Good memory. It was in London. Michael Page was on that. Yeah, uh, I do remember that. Kinda... Amir Albazi on the undercard. Look at that. Huh. Wow. Huh. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's pretty... This is a tough one. I can it's tell you the UFC, the UFC 300. Well, I don't think we'll have the same <laughs> feeling about UFC 300 that we had coming out of this one. Yeah, who was the Bellator 100 was at Grand Canyon University, right, Sean? Yeah, it was. Oh yeah. my wow. god, it wasn't even like in a major arena. It was no. in like a college. It was in like the fifth arena. biggest arena in just Phoenix. Not even. It was very bizarre. Anyway, I digress. It's a fair wow. question. I just don't know the answer. Um, you will you will put some respect on Bellator 100, one of the biggest statistical upsets of all time. Oh yeah, for sure. It was uh, was it Larue Burley beat um, uh, yep, Bubba Jenkins. Was it War Machine on that fight card too? Oh man, what a time! He very much was. That was when they were trying to make War Machine a thing. What a time in MMA, anyway. Um, I don't know if you guys were watching like the early prelims of the UFC, but uh, did you guys have any thoughts on the decision between Murata and Vanessa? I'll get to this in a moment, but let me just say the fact that Big Tuna was not on Bellator 300 is a travesty. Honestly, this guy was so important to the growth right. between 200 and 300, and then they just sacrificed him to the, a teammate of Ryan, Ryan Bader, Bader who is very good. He is very good. <laughs> And we're going to put him on the opening prelim of... I don't even want to talk about Big Tuna. That was a very Bellatory move. Uh, One of the Barata grossest versus... mismanagements in Bellator yep. history. Come on, man. <sighs> this guy was so yeah, popular. He was my, one of my all-time favorite interviews. It was like three days after he won that fight. Uh, did Murata get robbed versus Damavo? Shaheen, did you watch this fight? No, I was on I was on other duties at that point, so I missed this one. I'm gonna have to go back and watch it. I heard it was a con I heard it was controversial though. Do you feel do you do you watch it, Jose, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I like I didn't have a huge issue with it. I really didn't. I was kinda surprised, but I didn't have a huge yeah. issue with it. Like, the second round, like Murata was on top, but Demopolis was just like That's what I'm saying. Hitting her a million times. It was it's the same argument in Tony Ferguson versus Danny Castillo. Just someone on top, someone doing damage from the bottom. 
I remember having it and also working, but I like just from looking up, I thought Murata was winning because she was always in dominant positions, like just optically. But if you like sat and watched, like Vanessa was like as soon as Murata got on top, she just immediately got rubber guard and was just throwing elbows from the bottom. And then she yeah. would control. It was it wasn't the most exciting fight either. But um, I wouldn't call it robbery. I was surprised, but I don't think it's a robbery. Anyway, yeah, all all three judges scored it exactly the same. Yeah, all three judges gave round two to Demop. If all anything, three. this might be an actual well judged fight, just based on damage to optics of control. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, it, an, it was close. It was close. Another big story from the UFC card. No more flag ban. <clears throat> There's been yeah, a lot of comments hated. about this. Yeah, no more flag ban. And Dana White uh, confirmed during the post-fight presser, no more flag bans. And uh, if you have a problem with the flag, we have to go F ourselves. I love that. Uh, that, is, that is the most Dana thing that I've ever seen. That is the silliest way to express what he was trying to express. If like, you know, I know we banned the flag. And then we unbanned it. But if you guys have a problem with us doing any of that, your sisties, it's like, you you banned it. No one asked for it to be banned. You, you banned the flags. Remember no when... Who was calling for this? What are we talking about? Who are you calling sissies? Remember when Edmund walked out with that flag and then a UFC employee got fired for allowing him to walk out with that flag? Yes. Unbelievable. Like, this is the same promotion. Unbelievable. I normally don't really care. I am pretty agnostic to a lot of things Dana says, but like I, I was perplexed by it all. Anyway, didn't you ask him originally? Yeah, about the flag at UFC, it was no UFC lie. London, and I know everyone assumed it was because it was the it was when Nikita Krylov was like from Ukraine or from Russia and had a Ukrainian flag or vice versa. So then he just bans the flag, and then I go, and then that was a big topic of conversation because they showed the fight lineup, and every fighter had a flag except Krylov. It was just blank, and then no one walked out with a flag. So I just asked, and Dana was like, you know why. I'm like, I truly don't. I truly don't. <laughs> like, I can assume, but I'd rather you tell me so I don't get suckered into the clickbait narrative thing that keeps getting thrown at everyone, but whatever. I love it. We got that UFC? today from joe from pfeiffer did right. not yes super funny i didn't um, say any of those things you didn't <laughs> okay. uh oh remember yeah because remember when the leech got his time. i'm not sure what's going on yeah fine one more question then. but do, do you remember when the leech got his flag physically taken away from him in the octagon like there was that fan video of like he had the flag and the UFC employee ripped it out of his hands. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, was yeah. really weird. All right, one other final question because there's been three or four. I just, hold on, real quick. I just, I just, yep. I just, I love it. I love it so much. UFC bans a thing. UFC unbans a thing. It's UFC our fault. acts like it was your idea that they banned the thing. Like what? 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 I just don't get it. I just don't. Dana's thing now is this is a place where you can say what you want to say and not have it held over your head, which obviously I can guarantee you is not 100% true. Like, there are things that I could say that would get Dana would get mad about. Anyway, um, final question because we've had three or four and Sean and the internet is going to blow up. Uh, Dawson has to change his what walkout. was that? I know exactly what it was. Tell us. I, the second I heard this, the guitar riffs, it was... The song Hellfire, sung by Count Frollo from the Disney cinematic classic Hunchback from Notre Dame. That does not surprise me. Oh. I didn't hear it at all. 
Yeah. Cause I was you remember when Frollo was singing to all the demons coming out because he's so mesmerized by Esmeralda? Super there's like a lot of there's a lot that. of like sexual innuendos in it. Time. It's very bizarre. But it was the metal version of it. I feel like you and Grant Dawson would get along swimmingly, Jose. I couldn't tell you. I've never interviewed him once in my entire life. He's into like a lot. I, I think you guys would have a good time. There's an anything but fighting. Well, Grant I need to interview. I've been trying to interview Drew Dober for like a year about Mass Effect because I have so many questions to ask him about Mass Effect, like who he saved in Vermeer. I need to know because that is a very telling thing about a man's character. Anyway, that's probably it. Okay. Yeah, I did like I did like Daniel Cormier's reaction to that walkout. Yeah, he was pretty good tonight. He wasn't bad. You know why? Because Paul Felder's pretty good, and Paul Paul Felder's Felder's a nice connective tissue. That's why. And you know who else was there too? John Gooden was there. Nice to hear his voice. Love me a John Gooden. Do love me some John Gooden. Yeah, it was good. Good tandem tonight. I think they did some John Gooden in Vegas too. Not very often. Love that. Love that. Did a great job. Uh, guess where the UFC is next week, everybody? Back at the world's most famous apex. Sadiq Yusuf versus Edson Barbosa. Good fight. Vegas 81. I like that fight. Uh, the go-home show for UFC 294, which goes down in 13 days from right now, everybody. Afternoon MMA, just the way we like it. So thank you eh, all for watching. It'll be prime time for some of us. Yes, but I'm excited for that. So for Jose, for Shaheen, thanks for watching. I am Mike Heck. Good night, everybody. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.